there. I'm Dr. Amy King, otherwise known as Dr. Amy, and this podcast is the most important medicine. And if you're a physician or healthcare provider, this podcast is for you. This is where we learn about trauma-informed medicine and ways to build resilience in healthcare organizations. We do this through your stories and the stories of other professionals and patients. We listen to each other to transform medicine with compassion and curiosity about what it means to be a trauma-informed practice or provider. Every time you join me, I want you to hear practical information and leave with tangible tools that you can use in your practice right away. Today, I am talking to a special guest, um, Nicole Smith-LeVay. And Nicole, I'm going to read her bio briefly to all of you. She is a former professional dancer turned energy coach who integrates somatic therapy, meditation, and breath work into sessions and classes for professionals who struggle with anxiety and depression. She holds a master's degree in somatic psychology from the California Institute of Integral Studies and is well known as a workshop facilitator at healing centers like Kripalu Center for Yoga and Health, Ghost Ranch, and Mount Madonna Center. Using body-centered techniques, she takes a forward-thinking approach to mental health and trauma-informed care. And since 2013, she has helped hundreds of people move past their energetic blocks in order to step into their power own their unique voice, live out their purpose, and be a supportive part of collective awakening. Nicole, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me and for having this show. It's such important conversations happening here, and I'm I'm honored to be a part of them. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. So that's your formal introduction. Um, Anything else you want to add to your introduction about yourself, what you do, who you are? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I hold many hats. Um, first one that comes to mind is uh, wife and mama. Um, my son is three years old and yeah, it's it's been a, a blessing, you know, moving through this, this collective trauma that we've had the past few years, the pandemic uh, with a uh, young child in my care an infant um yeah just really practicing a lot of what i preach as far as co-regulation because mm-hmm. that phase of life is is uh so tender and sensitive wow um, so he's three yeah going into year four of this pandemic hopefully moving into an endemic but um so really this is the life you've known with him yeah wow yeah and lots of lots of choice making um, in it and, you know, understanding, uh, I guess the, the patterning that's carried on generation to generation as a parent, um, understanding that more, especially under the extra pressures of, you know, kind of being cut off from our village, our community. Um, and, and then also like the reparative structures of finding resource um, in and amongst uh, community in, in innovative ways, whether it be technologically or, you know, like I like to say my, my soul sisters, um, other, mm-hmm. other young moms and parents going through the same thing. I really um, found a lot of grounding in those conversations, but Yes, that that is. I am a, a wellness professional. I am a wife and mama. Um, I'm also still a practicing artist. Uh, that came through uh, back into my life during the pandemic as well. I realized, you know, I'm I'm preaching so much about connecting to the things that make us feel good and you know awaken our passions and our dreams and things mm-hmm. like that and. Um, yeah, I had I had disconnected from dance because I could no longer dance barefoot. That was part of my childhood trauma uh, that uh, my legs grew to be different lengths and I didn't understand why I was injured all the time. And it was mm. it was difficult. Like I was going to Western medicine doctors. I was going to lots of Eastern medicine healers, energy workers, all this, you know, lots of different things came up. But inevitably, uh, what I found was that if I have a 14 millimeter lift in my right shoe, uh, I really am not as as limited as I had perceived I was when I stopped professionally dancing. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, so now I'm I'm actually creating again, too. I'm, I'm wow. 
yeah, I'm sharing dance with younger generations and with other adults and sharing it from like, you know, not, not just technique standpoint, but from like an education of your body and, and mm -hmm. understanding the connection of your breath, your body, your soul, your heart. So it feels really good to have all these pieces going now. Yeah. Yeah. Here's to the village of other, um, moms. Here's to learning about our childhood trauma and recovering. Right. Um, okay. Let's move back to move forward. Yeah. So talk to, uh, our listeners about how you got into this work. Sure. Hmm. Well, <laughs> I like to tell this story a lot. I feel like my first glimmer of how I was going to work therapeutically or psychotherapeutically through the body was actually as a teenager, just as my own coping tools, I guess, or coping mechanism. Um, when I felt that my mood swings were at a peak, whether it was anxiety or, you know, feeling shut down and depressed and, um, I, I found that just freely moving my body uh, would be both cathartic and also like regulatory. Like I would find a calm place or at that time I used to say like, oh, I feel more normal after I do that. Like I'm able to see what I'm seeing and take deep breaths. Um, so I was always very interested in, you know, where does that come from? <laughs> through, through history, you know, we've seen um, a culture is really thrive together um, in community and also through practices like uh, singing and dancing and storytelling. Like that's how they coped and made sense and um, even philosophically, you know, developing faith um, in their storytelling and their songs and their dances. So uh, I think first my interest was more anthropological and like, like not I didn't feel like, how does this relate to me? I'm doing my own thing. Um, and then as I was going through my own understanding of this childhood car accident, mm -hmm. um, other complex traumas that I had endured through my childhood, teen and college years, uh, I found breath work. I found mm -hmm. meditation. But even as a teenager, Nicole, you're saying that you kind of knew when you were angsty, right? What we might call teenagers as kind of angsty or moody, that when you did some of this work, it helped you feel a little bit more like yourself again. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't, <laughs> I, I got to the point where, you know, I didn't have resources of, of, I actually wrote about this in um, the book that I've been working on for eight years. Um, I didn't feel like I had the resources of uh, therapy or God, um, you know, church. I think that those are two systems that folks, you know, can lean on. Um, sure. uh, it just wasn't, I'll say it wasn't available in my uh, family system or school system at the time. I'm, I'm 38. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and parents uh, didn't believe, didn't practice, didn't have, yeah, just didn't have outlets like that. So I, it was just like a means to survive, I think, to move my body. But then when I, I was, um, you know, post-college, I was performing, was dealing with a lot of, um, injury and the injury would flare up these emotional cycles, obviously, because then my identity is wrapped up in dance and my, my finances are wrapped up in dance and all of this. Sure. Uh, that's when I found breath work and meditation. Um, also, traditional asana practice led me there. But when I worked directly with the breath, um, I felt that I was unpeeling layers mm -hmm. physiologically that I couldn't get to in, you know, any other way, any sure. other way, whether it was talk therapy or just general exercise or taking better care of myself. So, um, it was definitely like, um, a very holistic approach that, that brought it all together for me. 
And, and out of curiosity, because I'm sure other people are wondering this too, what kind of dance were you doing professionally before? Yeah, uh, well, I call myself a contemporary dancer because uh, mostly modern and ballet based, but um, yeah, so bare, barefoot or flat shoe, mm -hmm. uh, no point shoes, no sneakers, mm -hmm. but yeah, now I'm practicing in my sneakers and it feels really, really good. Nice. So um, on this podcast, as you know, Nicole, we talk to a lot of physicians and healthcare professionals about trauma, mm -hmm. um, how it manifests in themselves and in their patients. I'm wondering if you could talk about trauma kind of as you see how it presents in the body. Like yeah. what do you notice about how trauma presents in a person's body system? Well, I mean, I think by the point that folks are coming into um, their practitioner's offices, like it, it just kind of shows when we don't pay attention to what's happening um, in our body uh, or we're unable to pay attention to it. We, you know, we don't have the means to pay attention to it. We feel like we have no other choice um, because trauma removes so much of that choice making from us. Um, it usually escalates into something like illness or injury and chronic and repetitive, mm -hmm. um, which I'm sure everyone is aware of listening here. So I think, I think on a more person to person level, um, you know, when someone is in front of you and they're talking about their ailments, things that are going on, you know, could really manifest as a, a huge shift in their breathing, in their posture, um, in the way that they do or uh, don't make eye contact. Um, you know, I think a lot of a lot of that is on a, a subtle level. You know, we our nervous systems in trauma felt like our only options were, you know, fight, yeah, uh, flee. Protect. Uh, protect. Yeah. Or just like kind of completely leave our body and, and fawn. And so that moment, I like to say, it's like that moment in the movie of our life history, you know, uh, is like frozen in time mm -hmm. in the tissues. Is that um, what you mean when you say an energy block? That is, yes, that is really what I felt myself working through energy blocks and breath work and meditation and movement, um, somatic movement classes. And then now I see in working with clients, it's this uh, gradual unwinding of the thoughts, the feelings, and the physical manifestations of that moment kind of frozen in time and reappearing um, uh, here in this moment. So I think with, you know, just opening up this conversation like you have on the podcast about, you know, being able to ask questions mm -hmm. about what you're seeing or, uh, and or just normalizing uh, whatever folks share uh, well, that, you know, I, I, validation is such a huge piece, just feeling understood, mm -hmm. feeling seen, feeling felt, especially mm -hmm. in uh, childhood trauma, relational trauma, um, to have a, a medical practitioner who is there with you in that moment and is just listening and is slowing down and acknowledging that, you know, that's very hard. And it makes a lot of sense that you're body is responding the way it is, or your, you know, your feelings and your thoughts have felt really out of control or difficult for you since that happened. That is quite normal. You know what it makes me think of, Nicole? I was interviewing Dr. Diana Londonio, and I'll link up to that previous podcast, but she's a urologist. And she said, you know, this woman was having all of this chronic pain in her pelvic area. And when she was doing an examination, she could just feel like all of this tension in this woman. And she said, I just felt like I had to ask, like, are you okay? Has something happened? Like this is well beyond what's happening in your pelvic area. And she said, all of a sudden, just by being asked, 
this woman started crying and told her about um, a horrible incident of rape that she had experienced that had had this long-term trajectory for her health over many years. And it's exactly what you're alluding to, right? There was like this block in her somatic system mm-hmm. that was keeping her like appropriately, understandably defended, scared, shut down. Um, but it was like, that was the first step, just one healthcare professional asking her what happened, that she was able to then go on and do yeah. lots of other work. Um, and I mean, what a sacred role you all play, um, you know, medical professionals, because you are, intimately in contact with folks who are maybe at a, a very low point. Mm-hmm. They feel like they, they don't know who else to ask mm-hmm. um, or they've asked so many others. And, you know, especially if you're a specialist. Um, so yes, that is just such a, to me, such a sacred role and sacred moment to uh, open up your patient's minds to uh, just how I think I think folks know now, you know, uh, stress causes illness, sustained mm-hmm. stress, chronic stress, you know, it's, we have to take care of ourselves, we have to have rest and eat well and exercise, like that's the tenets of, of basic health. But then when folks are coming to you, like, like I was, you know, all those years ago, and just kind of feeling helpless and hopeless, this is just such a prime opportunity in their soul's growth to uh, be compassionate with themselves, understand that uh, all of the intelligent ways that their body has tried to cope with their trauma uh, has served a purpose up until now. And this is a moment where things can change and Mm -hmm. things can um, get better and, and can get more beautiful because I really feel like there's there's just such bittersweet alchemy in the healing process somatically. And I, I love that. Yeah. I, I work with people who are doing both, right. They are, they're seeing their doctor, they're going to talk therapy mm-hmm. and what, what they use my classes and sessions for is this like weekly daily or sometimes yearly retreat wise, um, immersion into their understanding of how this is all related as well. So Mm -hmm. they definitely, you know, they have their support team, they have their folks that they know that they can lean on and help them understand and gradually heal. And also, you know, I call my company power within healing because so much of these practices are really just consciousness practices, they're awareness practices, and they very slowly in a titrated way, get us in touch with our soma, our, our experience of how our mind, body, and spirit are interwoven. And, you know, whether that be the blocks and defenses part of it, or also like, you know, the really sort of beautiful, nourishing, resourceful ways that we've uh, learned to take care of ourselves through life. So, so here I am, right? I'm a psychologist. I do talk therapy. I do lots of trauma work. And I tell people all the time, this work in my office is just one part of the work. Mm-hmm. Can you explain to listeners who might be like, oh, breath work, like really this sounds kind of like, you know, progressive or, you know, um, granola. I hear things like that, right? Why is the work of your body and breath work so important and so complementary to all the other work you do. Absolutely. I mean, and the, I know, you know, my, my friends and family who are nurses and doctors, you know, they're, they're like the statistics help me, you know, that's, that's how I was trained. Yes. That's, you know, um, I went to school for somatic psychology because I wanted, I wanted to bring my artist self to, to meet the interests scientifically in like, how, how is this held in the body? So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, at a base level, the, the breath work pauses and interrupts the, um, 
wiring of our nervous system yeah. system from hyperarousal, hyperarousal, right? We, I'm sure you've talked about the window of tolerance on here before. Yeah. And when we're feeling triggered and in a traumatic state, um, you know, the, the nervous system, I feel like it has speeds and mm -hmm. it moves, um, you know, in one direction or the other, and it can get stuck there. Okay. So I'm going to pause you. Say yeah. more even if we've talked about it, say more about window of tolerance, because this might be the first time somebody's hearing about that. Sure. So for me, the the image of the window of tolerance, which you can link um, in the show notes here, mm -hmm. I feel like it normalized racing thoughts, anxiety, mm -hmm. um, disassociation, uh, as well as shut down depression, um, yeah, disassociation, um, you know, just again, feeling helpless, hopeless, uh, basically when triggered, when, um, when either our body feels like we've reentered that moment in time, um, or it's just familiar, like something feels familiar. We are we're animalistic beings. It feels like this has happened before. What can happen is the all the body systems, but predominantly the nervous system is going to kick either into a higher gear, hyper arousal, or start to shut down and protect in hyper arousal. So the window of tolerance or uh, you know, the space of resilience, the resourceful center, whatever you want to call it is where we are at our most even paced breathing. Mm -hmm. uh, we are socially connected as best we can be through our, our gaze. Um, and yeah, and it has to do with heart rate as well. Mm -hmm. So that's the biggest shift in breath work is we're, we're directly going to that that sort of like choice point that we can't always think our way out of you know you can't always think positively you can you can bring yourself back to the present moment with your eyes you can bring yourself back to the present moment i do a lot of touch oriented things mm -hmm. uh you know hands on heart um you know just feeling your own body uh you can notice what you're hearing around you you know you can come back to the present moment that is all wonderful what the breath work does is it takes it a layer deeper to kind of dislodge that rhythm, that pattern that keeps kicking on every time mm -hmm. the trauma is re-triggered. Mm -hmm. You know, every time you are around someone who you perceive is dismissing you mm -hmm. um, or not listening to you or is too aggressive or is threatening, um, you know, again, speaking relationally. Uh, but, you know, for someone like me in a in a, a shock trauma, like a car accident, I didn't realize how much uh, just like being re-exposed to conditions like that would re yeah, would set my body into these these patterns. And so breath work, it interrupts it, but it also unwinds it. And mm -hmm. it it I mean, there are tons of studies on on active uh, breathing. Uh, mindfulness, I think, has been studied more so, um, and that is all good. And I, I teach both. I teach both mindfulness and active uh, meditation and breath work. But what they're finding with the active breath work and meditation is there is a bigger effect on um, the glandular system as well the endocrine system, and that has such a tie-in with our feeling state as well. Mm -hmm. um, and it makes it so that uh, not only has our, our do, we, do we have more response and less reaction in those moments of being triggered in the future, uh, but it also, it shifts how we experience our own feelings. So, uh, yeah. Well, so I want to make this super practical for our healthcare people, right? So um, if you're listening and you are a physician or healthcare provider, right, 
it's really important to underscore what Nicole's saying, right? That if somebody's in an activated space, especially because it's in a space where they've been triggered, let's talk about someone who has had multiple medical procedures done or somebody who has been oppressed by the medical system, for instance, had really horrible experiences. That means every time they come into your space, they're in an activated state. And so if you can help your patient ground a bit, if you can help them and recognize they may be in an activated state, Mm -hmm. then, and only then can you begin to what Nicole referred to earlier, co-regulate with them. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to guess, I think pretty accurately that it starts with you. Mm -hmm. And so as, first of all, as the provider, you have to know how to regulate your body. And Mm -hmm. so let me shift into a a question around, um, you know, right now, as, as I'm sure you're aware, healthcare providers and physicians are experiencing degrees of burnout, like we've never seen before. Yeah. Um, I have uh, physicians that are having panic attacks in the parking lot of their clinics. Mm -hmm. I have uh, nurses leaving the profession in droves because they just are so overwhelmed in their positions. And I'm wondering, Nicole, you know, I think there's a lot we can do for patients and recognize the activation of patients. But if we assume that it starts with us, um, is there breath work and is there work that the, that the individual providers can and should be doing? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that, um, yeah, just touching back into that moment in your office with another as well. Mm -hmm. I think when you feel safe enough in your body Mm -hmm. to be in the presence of someone who is activated, then you can invite them into their own process of feeling safe, you know? Um, uh, so normalizing, of course, what's arising for them in the moment and also practicing these tools and skills that I can share with you right here, right now that help you ground, help you orient and center. I think those three words, I talk about them all the time. Uh, you know, I do a lot of healing for healers, for folks who are in helping professionals and, you know, the, saying, um, you know, we have to fill our cup first. It's just, it's not a luxury, you know, yeah. uh, we'll, we'll only really be able, I believe to serve at the level to which we've, you know, helped ourselves. Um, so yeah, first and foremost, um, create a sense of safety in yourself by normalizing any feelings of overwhelm of exhaustion of anxious or depressed thoughts, that hyper hypo arousal. I think just like telling yourself um, in those moments, like I need some time to myself. Mm-hmm. It's completely normal that I feel this way. It's completely understandable that I uh, maybe don't feel particularly enthusiastic right now, mm-hmm. or that my breath has sped up or that I'm dreading going in there, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. First of all, just release yourself of the the judgment and blame and shame that we put on ourselves, especially when we've done a lot of our own work and we've invested in, you know, careers to help others like, oh, that I should have this figured out by now. It's like you are also a human being and vicarious trauma is a real thing Mm -hmm. and it's a it's an energetic thing and it's it's a real thing. So you've you've got to take that moment to, I think. Uh, give yourself the gift of your presence. Mm-hmm. Um, grounding, like I said, looking around is is orienting, grounding through touch, you know, hands on your heart, giving yourself a little massage. Also just allowing yourself to shake it out sometimes um, and shake it down into your legs is particularly helpful. Uh, shaking goes to the nervous system. Oh my gosh, uh, vibrating. The vibration. Yeah. That your body experiences. Yeah. And just like letting them be there and not like cutting ourselves off um, in our experience, because that's so much of our own trauma arising is that we, it comes to a point and then we're like, nope, repress, nope, repress. And it, and it keeps whispering and talking louder. And then eventually it may be screaming in our own symptomology. And, um, and I, I want to add here, really important point as as psychologists, as other healthcare providers, we are taught and trained 
to put that away, to compartmentalize that, to not acknowledge our feelings, to put that off until later, except, and this is the problem that we talk about in provider lounge and in trainings that I do, Nicole, is that then we have compounding trauma in our own bodies. And just because we've been removed from the stress of a person and we go on to see the next patient or talk to the next person, it doesn't mean that stress has left our body. It's still in there. Yeah. And so I'm really excited. Um, we're going to do here for our listeners, a little bit of this breath work with, with Nicole. Um, but I'm really excited too, for those of you that are listening, Nicole's going to start joining provider lounge the second Wednesday of every month. So if you're a member of provider lounge, uh, get ready because Nicole's coming and it's going to be part of your membership. And in a bit, we'll talk about other work that Nicole does outside of Provider Lounge, but I'm really excited. We're going to give you a little taste of this work here. And I'm going to be Nicole's student for a moment as we do some of this work together. But here's the person I'm thinking of right now, Nicole. Mm-hmm. Um, I think about one of my wonderful friends and colleagues who on a typical day might see between 18 and 20 patients and right now in the height of COVID, RSV and flu, um, they're seeing 30, 33 um, and taking call and working weekend shifts and um, can feels like at the end of the day can barely stand and um, just feeling anxious. So mm-hmm. will you lead us through a little bit of work that yeah. you know, cause I, it doesn't, I, I think the, the, the myth is that it has to be like an hour long worth of work and, you know, take up all this time. Yeah. Well, just let's do five minutes. I think, I think if you, if you can convince yourself that I'm worth five minutes (laughs) before entering this space, Mm -hmm. maybe in the middle of this space, like, like really when you take your lunch break, I'm, I know there's a lot of pressure and time feels, but if there is a way to truly allow yourself 10 minutes where you eat your food, you mindfully eat your food, you feel yourself tasting your food, digesting your food, and then give yourself some sort of somatic cleanse before you go back in there. I think that then the the tr- the triggering doesn't compound as much to the point where at the end of the day, you're like, I don't I don't know how many more weeks I can do this. Um, And I totally understand that. And I have had burnout myself as well. So uh, first and foremost, you know, going into work, I think, um, you know, playing things in the car that are soothing uh, is going to already, you know, our heartbeat sinks with the music and then our breath slows down there. So I think that that's very helpful. I'll move into more of the somatic tools in a moment that you can I'm, do I'm already, as well. I'm already imagining, Nicole, so many of my listeners who are listening to NPR or yeah. satellite, all the wor- horrible things in the world that are yeah. happening before they go into clinic, right? So right. if they just switch, shift that first thing right away, they're doing something better for their body. Absolutely. And that is very easy. It's a, it's a swap, right? And oftentimes in, in making change, it's not it, when you already feel overwhelmed and burned out, adding things just feels like what, but like swaps are more manageable. So um, also, you know, taking that moment uh, before you go sit at your computer, whether it's lunch break or at the end of the day, um, don't go directly on the device. Uh, water is uh, very healing for a reason. We're made primarily of water. Um, take a conscious, you know, one minute water break, uh, mm-hmm. wash your hands, wash the, of course, washing your hands always happens, but maybe even the back of the neck, your face, if you're able to have that sort of thing at your office, uh, it, it really does wonders. And I don't think that it's, um, I don't think it's out of the ordinary to, to do that, right? There are spaces, there are places where you can wash up and get changed. So, so take that moment for yourself. Um, and then this practice can come in handy before, during, after. Um, so I'll just pop into to it if that works for you. It's great. I'm excited. Okay. So first and foremost, just get a sense of your head, 
your heart and your seat. So this is my favorite way to come back home. <laughs> I call it come back to myself is just imagining my head, my heart, and my seat as these three spheres. And just noticing like how are they stacked right now? How are they aligned? Um, you know, and even giving yourself permission to lean the head and heart forward a little bit, you know, really move into that front space for a second. Take a deep breath in through the nose and out through the mouth. Deep breaths out through the mouth are very down regulating, calming. And then even letting yourself lean back a moment, the head, the heart, the seat, leaning back, especially if you've uh, been working all day or been working all morning, you are in probably a little bit of fight yourself. You're, you're efforting, right, to get through your day. So just lean back a little bit. Find yourself right in the middle now, head over heart and over your seat. And then just let yourself move side to side a little bit. Get some motion through the spine. If we move our spine in all directions, the breath will flow more easily. So just moving side to side. And now lifting that heart space up and letting the head roll down, just alternating between opening, breathing, widening, and exhale, rounding, letting go. And then find some relief through your shoulders as well. The shoulders and the neck, protect the neck is a, a saying. It's like very animal kingdom, right? Think about if you were going to fight someone or anything like that, right? The shoulders come up into the ears when you're anxious, when you're tense. So we're actually going to go right into that. Squeeze them up. Let yourself feel all of that tight, tight, tight energy. And on the exhale, you're going to let them drop. <sighs> Good. And just do that two more times. Inhale, squeeze. Exhale, let it go. Good, one more. And let it go. Good, and then just really start to take in your space. Obviously, if you're driving right now, this opening part may have been a little bit difficult, but you can do this. So really see what you're seeing. That's it. See the colors, see the shapes. And if your eyes go to something that feel nourishing or positive or pleasurable in any way, maybe a photo of someone you love, like let your eyes linger there and let the breath enter a little bit more deeply. Good. And any sense of touch that would feel soothing to you. So can feel very calming to the nervous system to take pressure on the heart and just press down the energetic heart center of the chest and just press down. And the more you press down, you can rub in circles, see if you can start to feel the heartbeat and that connection of your hands there than any other type of touch that would feel calming to you. Crossing your arms over your chest as well and giving yourself a hug and a squeeze can feel really, really nourishing. And then let's just move into the breath practice. So when we use the fullest extent of our lung capacity is when the heart settles. And often, 85% of the time we're breathing up high and we're not taking the fullest breath we can. So I know your lungs are not in your belly, but an easy way uh, in the yogic traditions to understand deep breathing is called three-part breath, where you in consciously inhale down low first. So imagine you're almost filling the belly really filling the bottom of the lungs, then inhaling a little more, filling the sides of the ribs. And then yes, you'll feel that breath in the front and back of your upper chest. And then exhale, let all the breath come out. 
and draw the navel towards the spine. You can even use your hands in this if you're doing this with video. Inhale, let your palms interlace and just rise up, up, up like you're carrying this breath. The breath fills down low as you exhale, press the palms down. Empty all of that out. Again, inhale through the nose, the hands move up. The belly fills, the ribs fill, the chest. Exhale, palms flip. All the breath empties, the navel comes towards the spine. Good, one more like that. And exhale. And then just watch your breath. Just notice the air coming in and out through your nostrils. And the thoughts will come back in, but just Take a moment to cherish the space between the thoughts. And then we'll finish how we started with the shoulder shrugs. So just inhale again. Squeeze, squeeze, squeeze. As you exhale this time, drop the shoulders and the hands. Just shake out the hands. <laughs> Good. If you have space, you can even stretch all the way up, reach up through the fingertips. And exhale, shake it out and down. Good. And last time. Exhale, let it move. And I just like to do nice calming touch. So imagine if you were a talking baby who could say, please, please touch me like this. Hold me like this and just give yourself that quality of touch here now. Good, and if your eyes are still closed, you can open them. And here you are. Wow. Wow. Um, just a little outward thinking for other people that might be listening and experiencing this. So when you said to kind of look out, just beyond my computer, Nicole, is a picture my daughter painted of me um, all by myself on a beach in Mexico when I was going through one of the hardest times in my life. And as we were doing the breathing up and then pushing back down um, or letting the breath out, I was, I could see the waves of the ocean, like ebbing and flowing and how important that was in that moment for my soul to integrate all the pain that I'd gone through. Mm -hmm. And so that was incredible. I don't think um, every time I look at my picture now, the painting, it'll have different meaning for me. But um, I mean, how long did we do that for? I think, uh, I think it was seven minutes, maybe six and a half. Okay. Okay. Every person has six minutes. Mm -hmm. I know we tell ourselves that we don't, but every person has six minutes. And I think one of the greatest blocks to self-care is lack of self-compassion. Mm -hmm. And I just want to circle back to what you said before, which is tell yourself I'm worth five minutes. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. And replace something else that you know doesn't help you for five minutes. Like, you know. Um, say <laughs> it. I was going to say Scrolling. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's our own way to dis disassociate and, or try to regulate ourselves. And then really at the end of it, we're still generally in the same place, sometimes worse. I, you know, I guess if you're looking at cat videos the whole time or something, I mean, there might be something neurochemically there that I'm like, okay, fine. Do the cat video thing, but try to do your deep breathing while you watch the cat videos. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's just a lot of it is you are worthy. Mm -hmm. uh, it, and, and also, uh, I think the message to myself that um, I could not let it go on any other way. 
Mm. Like you've reached a fork in the road. And I don't know what that image is Love for that. you, but yeah, it's, it's kind of, you know, drawing the line in the sand for yourself. Like mm -hmm. this has gone far enough. And, and I think any habit, you know, there's been studies on this too. It's going to take at least, that's why so many people do 30 day challenges, right? Mm -hmm. Like give yourself a month of this five minutes before you go in and five minutes when you leave the space and mm -hmm. see what a difference that can make. And then that, that gives you your own sort of, you know, I feel like I'm like a scientist at heart too. Like I, like I'm such an experiential learner. I have to feel it to believe it. I have to, you know, know that it works. Otherwise I wouldn't have spent the past 12 years helping people do That's this. Right. right. So, um, yeah, like give yourself the chance to try, see how, and take notes through the process, just like you would in any case study. Notice the space between stimulus and response reaction and how that shifts over one month. And then you may feel ready to, you know, more invest in something like Provider's Lounge or, you know, my, my uh, membership, my virtual membership, Soul Fitness Society, where we meet once a week to do this sort of thing for an hour. So um, I think the proof is in the pudding, you know, yes. you gotta. Yes, this is a perfect uh, uh, segue. Yeah. yeah, it's a perfect segue. Um, so first of all, Nicole is giving all of you a 30 day challenge. Try the breath work before you go into clinic. Try it when you get in your car before you drive home or throughout the day if you have five minutes during lunch. Um, as you all heard before, if you're part of Provider Lounge, Nicole's going to start doing breath work with us the, the second Wednesday of every month in Provider Lounge starting next month. Um, and we'll link up to that. But Nicole, if somebody wants to work with you, how do they find you? What's the best way to find you? Absolutely. I am on Instagram the most, I'd say, Nicole Smith LeVay. That's it. Um, and yeah, we can provide the link to soul fitness society. It's basically a gym membership for your soul. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And I would love to give your listeners a free month, um, and we'll make it personalized to Dr. Amy. So, uh, if you type in coupon code D R A M Y, uh, your first month of three Yay. will be free. Yay. Uh, so yeah, so you can try our, we have one class a week of breath work, movement and meditation. Um, yeah, as well as I have a retreat coming up, um, which we talked about before as well, uh, in Costa Rica in April, 2023. So look for updates on that. If you're, you know, if you're really looking to fill your cup and I know that you do this sort of work too, uh, there's nothing better than taking a week for yourself of consciousness practices, <laughs> clean eating, uh, moving your body gently, space for reflection and contemplation. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really good, I would say, at creating group safety and having folks find uh, the relationships in and amongst the group that are nourishing to them. The, the women that have been coming on my retreats find friends um, that they keep in touch with all year round. Like we, we started this conversation about, right? Like our soul sisters are our own village, you know, to get through um, difficult times in life. So yeah, you definitely find community like that um, at the retreats as well. Awesome. Thank you so much. Just a couple of, of rapid fire questions to wrap up here. Okay. Um, what's one thing people get wrong about this work? I don't know. I think that, that it's weird or scary. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's, it's all pretty normal human stuff. I just like yeah. to say, you know, it's done in a certain rhythm to fun music and, you know, just give it a try. It's, it's yeah. really for everyone. I feel like it is, uh, it is our own internal medicine system, um, breathing and moving. I agree. I totally agree. I was going to say the same thing. I think one thing people get wrong about this work is that it's only for certain people, but it's right. for, yeah, yeah. love yeah. that. Um, if you could go back and talk to young Nicole, um, what would you say to her? Yeah, I think, uh, you're, I think you're a miracle <laughs> and, and, um, I want you to believe that about yourself. I love that. Um, I think often in healthcare, uh, people get intimidated by professionals. 
Will you will you share something with our audience that makes you just a messy human, somebody oh, yeah. who's perfectly imperfect? <laughs> yes. Well, this entire chat, uh, I'm getting over the flu, and this entire chat, I have just been like, please don't start coughing, please don't start coughing, <laughs> and every time I take a deep breath, I'm just reminded that I'm that close to you all witnessing the breathwork teacher having a coughing fit. So, uh, yes, I too get sick and. Um, and I think I really pride myself on being a beginner's teacher because I am very much like, yes, this is all very heart soulful and it can be as spiritual as you need it to be. And also we're all just humans trying to make our way through the mess here. So whatever works for you, take that and, you know, throw out the rest. And if and when it's time to circle back to it, you will. Oh, I love that. Okay, last question, hard question. Um, it's 11 o'clock at night and you have a food craving. What do you reach for? Oh, 11. <laughs> 11, I really try to draw my own line in the sand because then I will be up all night. I, I could get very active when I eat, but um, hmm, I do love salty foods. So it's probably something salty and crunchy. Um, yeah. Potato chips, popcorn. Oh yeah, I mean, popcorn is is the ultimate treat. Popcorn is the ultimate treat, yeah. Yes. But it's but the, you also have to make it. So <laughs> probably at 11, I wouldn't do that, but like a dairy-free seasoned chip. Um, I don't do well with dairy, but uh, yeah, some something like a dill pickle flavored chip oh, or something. Yum. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, we will link up to all of Nicole's retreats. Um, the Soul Fitness Society in the show notes, as well as a couple of uh, things that you mentioned, um, uh, you know, just resources, just yeah, yeah. Some, some other resources. Thank you. Um, and then um, we are looking forward to having you in Provider Lounge. But I wanted to mostly just thank you for entering into my life. And I'm so glad you're here doing this work that's beautiful and complimentary and so necessary. Yes, for I mean, it's my dream. It's my dream that I would be in doctor's offices. So the first time we had this conversation, I just was like, this is so meant to be. And yeah, okay. thank you for passing on the mission of helping people not feel alone and normalizing their their experiences to trauma um, and how we we hold it all. So thank you so much for what you do, Amy. Thanks, Nicole. Well, that's it, friends. If you like what you're hearing in this space, I invite you to join us in the Provider Lounge, a learning collaborative to build resilience. It's an incredible group of physicians who meet monthly, get CME, and lean into conversations about trauma, resilience, and other tough topics. This is the most important medicine. Keep listening to other people's stories and let them transform you. And keep sharing your own, because your humanity will heal others. We'll talk soon.